Chris Friesen. Hello, and hi, hi, and hello. I was looking at your pictures, man. The ones I sent you, or just in general? The ones you sent me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they gave me ideas, and they tend to paint a picture of some of the things that we talked about in your past, and there were things that I started to think about after looking at those pictures. And some of them, like, I know some were when you were a super little kid where you might not remember them, and some you might have been a little bit older, like six or seven years old, but the thing that got me thinking is there were some people um, that were friends with your mom, and your mom was in some of those pictures. And so I know we, we chatted about this briefly, but I started to think that maybe some of those people would know your mom a little bit more and know who your dad is yeah mostly the people in those pictures are like um everyone that we've talked about there's not really people in those pictures that weren't family so like my uncle walter and my grandfather and uh, uh my mom and her siblings are in those pictures and uh my aunt's daughter uh, is in there as well um, yeah, that's basically, I think that's all that's in those pictures. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it made me think, I was like, I wonder if anyone in these pictures would know your dad. And then you had mentioned when we, uh, we chatted briefly, but you said you didn't think that your mom knew, which makes it more complicated, right? Yeah. And like, uh, she, I, she didn't even know, like my yeah, we like recent years I've talked with like my uncle who's in uh Uncle Kelly who's in that in a couple of those pictures and like he's like man, I don't even know cuz he was the one that brought up this phone call from this uh this Lisa person. And then he we we just kind of like talked about it a bit and he's like I don't even know. It was like it's a mix up between possibly two people. I'm Ben Grenell. This is Character, Episode 11, From the Outside In. Yeah, it's, it gets complicated, right? Like that's, we haven't talked about this in a bit and that's something that, that I think is important that we, we start bringing to the table again is like what's happening with Lisa or if we can even, if we can get a hold of her, if we can't. Um, one other thought I had was like, I don't know if that's a lost cause, but I think we might have a chance of trying to find your brother. Like, if we start, if you're into it, it's going to open up some floodgates, but uh, we can start blasting something on social media, and hopefully people can share it, where um, we can say, like, do you know James Friesen, born July 15th, 1991? Yeah, I kind of actually, I kind of have a a plan that we haven't really discussed. Um, So, if my plan goes according to plan... 
Oh, well, wow. Um, then that'll answer quite a few questions. Uh, but I have to <laughs> basically I have to gather up the courage to uh, get this plan in motion first. Is that plan one of the things that I was going to do that now you're taking over? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to call um, your grandma. Yeah, basically. Uh, the reason we talked about it and you had um, you said that you would give her a call or you if if I wanted you to, you could. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe. But um, there's so much that would come out of that woman's mouth that we would not know what was re what was real and what was a lie and what was going on. So I figured, well, instead of you getting really excited for anything that she says, uh, I figured that I would be able, I'd call her. Um, and then I could just sift through all the bullshit. Um, cause I can also call her out on her bullshit. So, cause I, I feel like you'd ask her questions, she'd answer them, but you don't really have anything to like question. Like if she lied about something or she stretched the truth about something, you wouldn't know. So you wouldn't know to ask those questions. I mean, you do know quite a bit. This story has unfolded a lot to you, but um, I, I would definitely know if she was like lying completely through her teeth or not. Well, should we uh, should we try and find James and you you focus on that you see if you can get in touch with your grandma in the next little bit and we'll see where it goes i think that's the plan i think that's that's the plan good show so i know when we uh when we spoke last about gimli you kind of left off you said that you were you were kind of bouncing between places you weren't sure if you were going to stay in gimli or not and uh there were so many times where you almost got up and left and then yeah. it was almost like a new place popped up and a new place popped up. And that's kind of what happened from the place you called the crack house and until the time where you met the group you called the hippies and you said that you were bouncing between moving into a garage or moving into a, a trailer with air conditioning or sleeping in a cabin by the beach. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that all happened, met up with, um, We'll call him, uh, man, I'm just going to use his nickname. We're just going to call him D-Bag. Um, there's a, a long story. This will unravel why we call him D-Bag. Um, we met up, and yeah, we did the whole, we drank some beers, played some guitar, and he's just like, hey, man, like, let's just, you know, just come over and live with us. And, like, I mean, it's, like, it's not like I didn't have a job. Um so we would just like deal with it from there. And so these guys, um, some were from Gimli. I think three of them were from Gimli and then two D bag and, uh, and, uh, we'll call them miles. Uh, D bag and miles were from a, a different town. Originally they, they moved to Gimli a long time ago. I, I don't even really remember the timeline of that. So, um, D bag and miles and our other friend, uh, Sean, uh, we're all living together in this cabin and there was only there was three rooms so I decided to stay in this uh, this trailer uh, mainly because the trailer had air conditioning the cabin and the garage did not have air conditioning so I was like oh all right cool I'll just you know stay in there um, the freaky thing about this 
this trailer though like it was awesome like i had my computer in there and like it was just sort of like a little nice little home that i had i guess lived in for a while um but the creepy thing i don't know what it was with that summer but i don't know if it was like this in winnipeg or if anybody remembers these spiders like it was the year that spiders like overrun overran like winnipeg and and in gimli and there's like these little red spiders and if anybody knows me i'm terrified of spiders like these things i go white if i see a spider on the wall if i saw one right now i just like i'd freak out and probably leave and not come i'd leave this running and i'd leave i'd run so uh this cabin or this trailer had these these spiders like and every night before i went to bed there was a broom outside of my outside of the trailer and me and the girlfriend at the time if she stayed over i'd be like hold on (laughs) i gotta deal with the spider problem she's like what so i'd open the door and i'd smash the wall with my fist and i don't even know like hundreds probably around hundreds of little spiders would just fall from the ceiling on in their webs just like hang in there I don't know why or how or when I just became okay with this, but I I was okay with this for a while and I would just take the broom and I just brush them off. And then I'd like put the broom outside and we'd go to bed. It was terrible. You were basically living in the movie Arachnophobia. Basically. Like I, I, I'm terrified of spiders, but these things I had to like live in this thing and like, didn't really bother me that much for some reason maybe it's because i only slept in there i don't know it just it was it was it was like out of a horror movie like you hit the wall and just spiders just fell from the ceiling uh, attached to the like webs and then it was just oh oh anyway so that's what it was like living inside that that little trailer but so these guys um that i met through my um the, the, the first girlfriend we'll call her um we'll say her name's Yaro. we'll give the we'll give the first girl a, a nickname her name is uh Yaro. and um so i met them through her and we like skateboarded sometimes they weren't very good at it so uh we'd have like some fun and drink some beers or something like that um and uh, and then like we they all played music they're all like interested in music and when I graduated high school, um, my aunt, <laughs> as a graduation gift, she bought me this guitar and this little amp. Uh, it was a the guitar was uh, from this corner store down Henderson. It was called a Barracuda guitar, and I can't even remember what the amp was. Some junky like 15 watt amp, uh, combo amp, and. Uh, yeah, so that was my first like musical instrument other than this like acoustic guitar that I had that only had three strings. So I was like, oh man, yeah, awesome. Um, spoiler, it was a grad present that she ended up making me pay for eventually. Don't really understand why or how I ended up having to pay for it, but I ended up paying for it. Uh, she called me up one day and she's just like, hey, you remember that guitar? She's like, I'm going to need the money for that. And I'm just like... <laughs> all right cool so you basically had your your guitar on layaway with your aunt yeah it was um 
it was it was it was stupid it was a garbage guitar like um this thing sounded like garbage like i opened it up once oh i bought i remember i bought a um i think it was like a tom delong uh like bridge pickup i've only bought one i didn't buy the set um and i opened it up to put it inside and the guitar just was it just poured sawdust it was like filled with sawdust and i was like this can't be normal <laughs> no that definitely wasn't normal um so yeah i had this like tom delong pickup in this really crappy probably only like you know 60 to 100 dollar electric guitar it was like a less black less paul ripoff um yeah so that that was my like get first guitar that i ever had electric guitar and i had the the orange distortion pedal the what was it is that, is that a boss distortion pedal or something like that i don't know everybody's had this thing that's the one yeah was, i think i still have it i think it's a in a box above me somewhere man was that thing trash um well at least with that little combo app anyway what i'm getting to is we were all like they all were interested in music and i had played music as well and uh so we always got together in this in the garage that i would have been staying in and we always play uh, uh senses fail covers and then at the time it was like the emo stage and we are all still um yeah like just uh, it was the emo stage we play like from first to last covers and like senses fail and and what else did we play anyway we played a bunch of covers of songs and stuff like that and uh, eventually uh the guys wanted to start a band and i was like okay cool uh, but they didn't invite me to be in the band so it, it was really strange because we all were together and we always played together and <clears throat> out of all the people to pick up a guitar i was like this like me and the other guitarists were probably the next same talent wise guitar wise and i always had really cool riffs to write back then i thought they were really cool now i just realized that there's just a bunch of random riffs thrown together to sound like freaking i don't know whatever um <clears throat> but they started this band and they started this band without me so it was really strange because like i helped write a lot of the songs uh, that that they had started with and like I helped with the sound and like they had a drummer at the time that um, wasn't the best drummer and uh, um, so they so they, they got rid of that drummer in a really weird way so I wasn't part of this band and I was fairly upset that I wasn't part of the band because I mean I was friends with these dudes and like they only had one guitarist <clears throat> and and uh they did this yeah they had this drummer that wasn't very good and uh when it up and then their shows i remember going to their shows to take pictures of them and um uh the, they had one song where the vocalist and the guitarist would trade off so like he would give them the guitar and then you would sing and or scream because it was a hardcore band or post hardcore whatever you want to consider it and it was just really strange and uh so i was really weirded up about that but then they got rid of uh we always had parties at this cabin like it was a party every day really during the summer and uh the police were at our door all the time um they would be there to, to, to tell us to be quiet or shut us down also the neighbor man this guy was nuts um i'll get to him right after this party but like he was crazy so, so 
um, we had this party once, and this guy from uh, Steinbach, he came over, and I didn't really know him, and I guess D-Bag was talking to him over uh, over MySpace. Um, and he's like, hey, come, o- come down to a party, and, and like, you're a drummer. We'll see how you are. So this guy came down for a weekend. He stayed from like Friday to like a Sunday or something like that. And he was just amazing drummer. Just crazy. Um, we'll just, uh, I don't know what his name. We'll just, we'll call him Liam. So like Liam, cool dude. Um, and the reason I call him Liam is because he looked like Liam from Cancer Bats. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's why I call him Liam. Anyway, he, he was really good, like really, really good at drumming, way better than this other guy. The other guy was just like, he didn't really know, we'll call him John, he didn't really know how to how to drum <laughs> at all. He couldn't stay on tempo, uh, was really bad at drumming. Okay, so uh, Liam came down and he showed us what he could do, and then I guess D-Bag had made the, the decision for the band that... Uh, Liam was going to take over for this other drummer, but they weren't going to tell him. They were just going to start jamming with this guy and just like kind of shun this guy out. Right. So like, I was like, well, that's such a dick move. Like, why wouldn't you discuss this or like say, Hey, we, you're not up to par. Like, um, we're going to get a new drummer, but no, they just kind of like ended up at the same party and, uh, John just like lost it. He's a this guy was a big dude, like six three, like close to probably three hundred pounds. This was a big, big dude. And uh Liam was this scrawny, like six foot two, like maybe weighed a hundred pounds looking dude. And he just wanted to kick the shit out of this guy because he like just like took the place of whatever and uh, uh of him in the band and stuff like that. So that was a crazy party because we were all playing I'm playing a Smash Bros and I'm just having a great old time and then stuff just went went crazy in the kitchen and fighting and anyway long story short he he ended up leaving the band and Liam was now the drummer so that was super sketchy and that was all D bags doing no one else had a say really and, and you're still on the outside looking in like I'm you're still not on the outside part of this looking band. in. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not part of this band. I'm still doing my own thing, just like skateboarding and working and and drinking and um, yeah. So I'm just on the outside still. Like this, they. Uh, I was there for the naming of the band. We had like six different. They had six different names, and we're just in. I remember in the garage on the couches, just like, oh, what should we call this band? Like whatever. And I'm just kind of still there. So, did you feel? like kind of left out like do you feel like the water boy almost like you're sitting there on the sidelines and you want to be in the game i felt so betrayed and it was really weird because they only had one guitarist later on i figured it out and i found out why this all happened but that happened like years later so um not years but like a year or two later why it was the way it was so we named the band, or they named the band. Uh, the band's name was Cities I've Never Seen. That band is, like, you cannot find anything in existence that that band even existed. Um, there's a guy that we used to work with. Um, he has now quit. Uh, we used to play, like, he had the same type of band. He was the vocalist for that band. And we um, used to play shows together all the time. Um, 
and there's a video on the internet i think of his band playing and a like a five second clip of my old band playing that's that's it that's all that's left of this band um so yeah D-Bag gets Liam to come over. John gets pissed. John leaves. He never basically never talks to us again. Um, I wasn't really big friends with him. Uh, I didn't really know him that well. I just knew the other guys. Um, so I was just like, oh, this this sucks. Like, what a shitty way to find that you're kicked out of the band. Having a party with this... You've been partying with this guy all weekend, not knowing that he's going to be the one replacing you. This is the kind of stuff that D-Bag would pull. And uh, the, the name... He gets the name works itself even more later on in the stories. So Liam's in the band. The band is now a thing. Um, fast forward a bit. What happens is, oh yeah, they name the band. Uh, they play a bunch of shows in Winnipeg and um, and in Gimli. More so in Winnipeg because Gimli. I mean, like when they played a show in Gimli, it was like the parents and like maybe like. 10 other kids came out so it was just a weird really weird thing to watch a bunch of like dudes flaying all around with like guitars and stuff and then like an elderly group sitting in a bunch of chairs front row it was a really weird thing um but again i mean parents being proud of their kids because d-bag's dad is was a huge musician as well uh he played in a bunch of bands i can't remember what they were now um he passed away but uh he was a good man uh so yeah so yeah fast forward a bit they do a bunch of shows um i think they put out a demo on um, myspace uh with some of their songs that they just had recorded in the garage and uh winnipeg blew up and loved this stuff and then what happened was they got um they got a record deal from this um guy uh it was called torque records or something like that so at this point, it was Torque Records that had asked them to um, be on their label, but they needed to do a bunch of things. So they needed to sign the contracts, uh, they needed a second guitarist, um, and the vocal, current vocalist, he, um, he left the band. He was deciding to leave the band to go to school in Winnipeg. Uh, he actually went to school for what I went to school for when I moved back to Winnipeg. Um, but he he left, so we needed a new vocalist. So there was the problem was, um, sorry, not we yet. There was just the band so far. So they were a band without a vocalist, and they needed a second guitarist. That's where I came into play. So at this time, they need the guy from Torque Records said they needed to tour a lot. They needed a second guitarist, and obviously they needed a vocalist. So they got our good friend from he was he was doing like some culinary something in nova scotia or something like that at the time this guy one of their really good friends who has uh we'll call him add because man did this guy have add <laughs> um like that's like he, oh man people think i'm bad this you couldn't hold a conversation with this guy um but they called him up and they're like hey we got a record label. We need a vocalist. When can you be here? He responded, I'll be there in two days. He dropped everything for school to come to Gimli to be the vocalist of this band. Um, 
I basically was stoked at this point. It's basically I was the the bench warmer, and I'm like, oh sh, <laughs> finally, I'm in the band. Even though I've basically been in the band since the beginning. So um, you've been you've been around the whole time. D Bag is the coach, and he calls you into the game, playoffs, overtime, and you're there. Yep. 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 So. um Oh, actually, I kind of forgot to add this in. They actually went on a when it was the original crew minus John. They actually went on a small tour uh, that I went as the merch guy. I went as the merch guy for it was like um, like a I don't know like a five or six tour date uh, east uh, from Gimli, and uh, that was a lot of fun. We basically just played shows and partied a lot, so that's what that happened so i have i've been the bench warm but also was the merch guy why do you think they never asked you to to join oh we'll get there we will get there oh geez <clears throat> if you haven't noticed me and d-bag have are not on good terms <laughs> like we are definitely not on good terms we we don't even talk like i talk to all the other guys they're all cool but him like oof, he uh yeah we don't talk like you don't now or you didn't at the time we still don't like we will eventually we'll get there it's a build-up of like just me like eventually stop taking his bullshit and just like yeah okay like you didn't know this or you knew this guy d-bag you knew that he was like you didn't see eye to eye with him when you were on the outside looking in then you got asked to be part of the band and like, were you hesitant that you're like, man, I don't like this D-bag guy and there's Liam in the picture now and all that? Or were you just pumped because you're like, hey, I'm, I'm part of this band and I know we're going to go do some stuff? No, I was pumped. Like, me and D-bag, uh, as friends, we were, like, okay. Like, it was good. Like, we butted heads every once in a while. I ended up seeing his sister naked once. That was really awkward. But, <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah so like i said before we used to go down to the beach all every day after work come home and just like pass out uh i came home from work late one day um his sister was at the beach with them but had to go to work so she came to use our shower and then i walk in the door and i'm i crack like a beer or something at the kitchen she doesn't know anybody's there at least to my knowledge walks out of the bathroom complete buck naked and i'm just like oh well that's that happened that's awkward um but yeah anyway that happened um now I lost track yeah so like i got asked to join the band i said yes obviously i was like this is what i want like this is like my dream is to play in a band become a rock star and just like play music for the rest of my life that's that's my thoughts right there i'm just like this is going to be amazing. Um, join a band that's got a record deal. Um, this is going to be sweet. Um, so yeah, it was sweet, but it was also really, really bad at the same time. Uh, I basically, before all this, I think me and the old vocalist, um, we'll call him Hill. He, uh, he was leaving the band to go to school and i was actually discussing with him i might do the same thing i was like you know what 
I might this I might leave this like scene of this cabin that all we do is party and just work. We're not really going anywhere in life. We're just spending what change we have on booze and like I don't my bank account isn't growing any bigger. Um, I'm just gonna go to school, do the same thing, and call it quits. Um, I actually dropped that dream as well. Um, Miles he dropped that as well. He was he's like he's a crazy journalist. Like this guy uh, won competitions for writing and all this other stuff. He was going to go to university for writing and all this other stuff. Basically, everybody sacrificed a lot uh, of their time to join this band. Um, so we all decided, yeah, this is what's happening. Our friend uh, ADD came down from Nova Scotia. We met up with him again. It was really awesome. We actually had to go pick him up from uh, – that place oh, we go brandon we had to go pick him up from brandon so we picked him up and then we brought along another friend with him just to hang out and then uh yeah we all just started like writing songs together like we took the songs that they had already written and we figured out which ones we could use and which ones we couldn't use um and then we practiced in d-bag d-bags uh parents basement we had like a nice jam space there's like a pool table it was just really sweet space um and we were jamming and practicing. Um, we all got along for the most part. Um, and uh, we wrote, uh, we had to write an album before we left for, uh, I think it's Govan, Manitoba, or Saskatchewan, or something like that. I don't know where Govan is. I can't remember. Like, that's what the record label mandated is that you had to write, write a record, record it, and go on tour. Yeah, so um, we had we had most of the songs written, and then um, everybody was stumped. Uh, and I was still on the outside, right? And I was just here to like learn the songs because I had a real I st- have a, this hard time learning other people's songs. Like writing my own and playing them is fine, but it takes a while to learn other people's songs. But you're so, you're part of the band. You're you, but you you're part of the band, but you feel like you're on the outside. Yeah, like I still feel like a fanboy. Like I, I liked this band, the music was cool, and I was brought into it, and I was still fangirling. Like I'm like, oh, I'm part of the band now. Like I know the lyrics to all the songs and whatnot. So I was, uh, I was just learning the the songs, and we had to write three extra songs because we cut out like I think two or three of the songs that had weird timings, and uh, we just didn't like them. So we wrote the two as a full new band. We wrote two two of the songs, and then we were stumped. We need one more song, and it's like no one had like any ideas for riffs or for breakdowns or for any lyrics. We were just like kind of burnt out because we were just like sitting in this basement just writing these songs. And uh, I was like, guys, I kind of have a song. And they're like, what? I was like, yeah, I kind of wrote a song like, I don't know, like a couple weeks ago. And it's like, Maybe we could try it out. It's got some cool riffs, and you know we'll play it and whatnot, whatever. And like, well, ND Bags like, well, it, it can't be that good. I mean, let, let's hear it. Let's see what you got. And I'm just like, fuck this guy. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I show them the song, and they're just like, dude, this is this is amazing. Like this is this is exactly what we needed. We needed that one song that just like kind of stuck out from the other songs. It was still cities. For short, we called the band City. It was still Cities, but it was just like a little bit more. 
and that plays a role later on how this band thing goes so like it was pretty good so we were like this is going to be our last song um so we we finished writing it and then we had to travel to govan we were all broke uh completely broke we took off so much time from work to write these songs so we could get this good and now we had to travel um to govan manitoba to write this album so none of us had any money because we were not really doing working or anything like that. So, and we needed a van. We didn't have anything uh, to take our, our gear with. When we would come to the city to play shows or when they came to the city to play shows, they had uh, cars. They just filled like three cars with all the gear. And then we would just travel to um, travel to Winnipeg, set up and play our show. Or we would just play other people's equipment. Like we'd bring our guitars and we would just set up the drums and like we would use their drums and their amps to play our songs. So uh, we needed a van. We needed a van and we needed money to travel. Um, the the record time that we needed, we needed to pay for that as well. We were all just broke. And so um, like we worked as hard as we could we we sold what we could all this like old stuff that we didn't have d-bag uh convinced his parents to give him a bunch of money um miles parents were so proud of him that they like gave him money for this too and like um so we just gathered all this money that we had and i just had like nothing i barely had anything so like we put it all together we bought this really shitty van it had a hole in the bottom um, it had no air conditioning. It had no rear view mirror. You, it was just this piece of junk. It, like on the highway, it maxed out at like 75. It couldn't go any faster than 75. And uh, it was just this shitty ass van. So we like got a, all this van, broke as hell. We had stacks of Mr. Noodle packages from like the local store that we had bought that we were just going to eat the whole time that we were there because we couldn't afford to like buy actual foods uh, so we had this these like stacks of these like pallet things of mr noodle so we packed up all our stuff and we had out we headed out to govan and we get there and this dude shows us this house that we'll be staying in this house was a was a wreck this thing was like disgusting throughout the whole thing there was like holes in the walls um there was no hot water there was no heat no air conditioning there was like rat traps or mice mouse traps everywhere um there they had like a makeshift soundproof room upstairs that he had put like egg cartons up on the walls and like um we were told there was going to be beds for us to sleep on there was not one bed there was a couch chair that was it so we most of the time we ended up sleeping in the van because the van was carpeted uh yeah so this was like a really brutal just trip um to write this album and th this is the recording studio that you're at yeah this is the rec recording studio we stayed in the recording studio so it was basically like a barn that had a soundboard in it. Yeah. Well, it was a house, but it was like a dilapidated house. It had an, a second floor. Um, I think we found some like insulation and we just like threw a blanket over insulation. One of the guys slept on that. No. Uh, yeah. Jesus. It was, yeah. It was haggard. It was like the most like haggard thing ever. Uh, and like, the first night we got there, this guy invited us over for dinner with his family. And it was just like the weirdest setting, this like 
normal looking guy like a like he would be like sweater vest type guy his two kids and his wife this nice home and there's a bunch of just greasy guys from driving not showered everybody was scared to use the shower because it was just cold water and nobody brought soap so it was like all right so we're at this table long i'm here with my long hair and just greasy and like we're all wearing like really band tees we don't really look presentable and we're just eating dinner at this guy's table it was just a really weird mix like if we had a photo of that that would have been hilarious photo um but we didn't um so yeah so we get to govin and we do that and then we start recording the album and that was you know i've never played to a click track before i don't think anybody has played to a click track before um d-bag couldn't record half his parts so i had to record them for him um and it was just a really weird thing uh to get down like the drum we had to change the drum times anyway it's just a whole new experience for me and for everyone was just recording this album and then like the drum area was in the basement so like uh that's where the drums were and so we tracked track the drums and then track the guitars and vocals and everything so and to this day i cannot look at a mr noodle like i cannot we like if they're on sale and and, and brit's just like hey like let's grab some just you know maybe you want an easy lunch one day i'm like i rather suck on a cloth soaked in dirt or something than eat that garbage like i i cannot put that in my mouth <laughs> not so in the bad. diet not no, anymore. Never. Like other brands are fine, but the Mr. Noodle brand, nah, dude. No, 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 no. <laughs> Can't do it. So yeah, so we like record this album in Govin. It is like we're there for a week with we haven't showered and we're supposed to take pictures for the band and it the it worked out so perfect for the band pictures because we were just like a mess. Like had not shaven, just like long greasy hair we we took a picture with our van and we had this deer skull that we had found so it was like glued or like taped or uh, i can't remember it was just connected to our van to the front of it and it was just like this super southern hardcore-ish picture that we took and I, I remember they had to put me in the front because i'm so small so they had to make me look like i'm the, as tall as the rest of the guys and they had to put like jamie further back uh, because this guy was like freaking like six something. So then, um, yeah, we're taking this picture and it, it was perfect. It was just this awesome hardcore picture. We all had this blank look on our face. Um, so we had recorded the album and then we're doing uh, gang vocals for it as well. And this is where it gets kind of like, like D bag, just kind of like this is, we start going downhill from here is because there's this guy from another band. The band was called um, uh, The Fortunate. They were awesome. They're awesome dudes. And the vocalist, he was just, like, so good. We looked up to these guys so much, and uh, we're like, hey, you want to come down and do vocals on our album? And it was like, yeah. So he came down, and he listened to the tracks, and he's like, which one should I do gang vocals for? And uh, one of my, my track that I had, the, the album, or I mean, the song that I recorded was on that track or was one of the tracks that he listened to. He's like, this is the one, this is the one I want to do gang vocals for is like, I don't, or like, he just wanted to do guest vocals. That was it. Guest vocals. And, uh, D bag was pissed. 
he was absolutely livid that the song that I wrote was going to be the one that this guy that we looked up to so much wanted to do guest vocals on. Um, his guest vocals were perfect, by the way. It sounded so freaking good. He only did one take, and it was perfect. Um, so yeah. Govan, Manitoba. I think it was Manitoba. And then uh, we recorded the album, really greasy. Um, I think I was the first person to try to take in a shower because the next day we're doing a music video. We were going to do a music video in the backyard. So we did that. I was playing. At the time, I had got a new guitar. It was an SG, Epiphone SG. I love this freaking thing. Um, and I had, we, everybody was doing guitar swings. And I remember guitar swinging this thing and smashing the neck directly into the ground. I was devastated. Like this thing. Guitar was okay though. Oh, the guitar was fine. Thing was built like a rock, man. The stuff that happened to that guitar and down the road from us playing shows, holy! I can't believe that thing stayed in one piece. So everything you're doing at this point is because the record label says like you have to do this to get the deal, or you guys already had the deal. Yeah, so we we had the deal. Um, they wanted us to get more exposure. Um, they wanted us to pay for everything, like the tours we went on, um, everything that we did. Um, it was like the way that I feel. It was just like, like you. It was like we didn't have another choice, really. Like we didn't have any other labels looking at us or anything like that. So we felt like we didn't have a choice. We had to do all this stuff. Not like we cared. Like, I mean, that was our dream, right? Like we wanted to tour and we wanted to do this stuff, but we we thought like I thought the way that it worked was you would get paid for this stuff, right? Like you play shows, you get paid, you like um, sell records, you get paid. Like I thought that's how it worked. (laughs) Apparently that's not how it worked at all for us. Um, I feel like we were like tricked almost (laughs) um, into all this stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about deals, man, is they can go a million and one directions, right? Like you can get an upfront, payment so that you can go record a record and you can do what you need to do or you can get a distribution deal and you can get paid royalties on your record and that's the dangerous thing and that's why the music industry has changed so much over the past 10 15 20 years yeah it was um it was crazy like um we'll get into the band that i was currently playing in uh and that was so much different. But uh, this was crazy, like touring um, and recording this album and this music video and everything. And we got n- not a dime for any of it, any of it. And uh, like they were going to put our records in like HMV and stuff like that. And it was for a while. I don't know what happened there. Um, and we had this music video that played on much music once or much uh, like the metal section of much music or something like that. We were on TV once and that, and never played again or something like that. I, I don't know what happened there. Um, but yeah, like this was the beginning of the end <laughs> of like me and D bag getting along and like me and the other guys, we all got along. Um, and some of the, some of them were like really close friends with D bag. So like, they grew well, like Miles. He grew up with D Bag, so it was like you. He's, it's that friend. It's like you know he's a piece of shit, 
but he's my best friend, so I'm like, I'm gonna stick up for this guy. So like, I started getting a backbone at this point, and it just kind of went downhill from there. I mean, we went on tour, and uh, we did really cool things. We played sold out shows. We, um, it was just a really good time. Like when we were on tour, we were all broke. Like I, I ended up going like to the point where it got so desperate that when we were getting gas. Um, we we would like get paid enough uh, money at each show just to drive to the next town to for exposure, um, and everybody like loved us. We were like so happy um, that everybody loved us so much. Um, I, we had a really good stage presence though, compared to like some of the bands. Like we had really like we were just really energetic, running around and like like just jumping around. I had did hair spins a lot. I don't I don't know why I did that, but I had hair spins and like it was just a really fun time like a lot of people looked up to us and like or, i don't know it was just a good time um did you, but as, did you have different expectations about it like did you feel deceived almost that like you thought like man we're we've got a deal i'm joining this band and we're gonna get paid and we're gonna be able to tour and all that and it was a different experience um actually not really like i i obviously i've never experienced this before and i didn't really know what was going on so like at the beginning and like mostly until the end was just like this is cool and this is how it must be because like i we have to do all this touring like we toured so much like we toured i think we toured over 12 over a dozen times east um in the time period that we were a band and like we would make some money like the most money we made was off merch um but like the shows that we played we didn't make much money we made enough money to get to the next town and that that's what this label wanted us to do was to to get exposure just to, to play these shows and you know get our name out there and we did it was it was it worked um i forgot to mention that one of the reasons why they got the label too is because they were the number one band on myspace for like a month or two um at a time that that was a huge deal because you're on the front page all the time but I, i'm pretty sure like they didn't know that it was like it was botted it was like a bot that um got us all these like people views and listens to our stuff so it, <laughs> i don't even think it was real like real people were listening to our stuff um uh so yeah like, we would too any of this like did any of your family know that you were playing in the band and not on tour like i know that you weren't you weren't like close with your mom but like did your grandpa or your aunt or anyone know that you were doing this or they just knew you were in gimli uh they just knew i was gimli funny story about that there was one person that knew um we were actually going to saskatoon and we usually looked for a place to stay. Like we would ask most of the time, somebody at the venue, one of the the people uh, that was either running it or like a kid from the show would let us stay at their house. And um, when we went to Saskatoon, I was like, Hey, I have a, I have an aunt. My, my mom's sister lives in Saskatoon. Like maybe we could stay at her place. So I gave her a call and I was like, Hey, like um, I'm playing in this band and you know, we're on tour and we need a place to stay. It's like, be a nice time for us to catch up and do you think uh, we could come stay with you and she's like yeah definitely um so we end up not staying there because it, where she lived was 
too far out of town for us, so we ended up staying at a at some person's house partying. We ate all their food. It was like three bands that stayed at this place. We ate all their food. Their her dad was um, sleeping through the whole thing, and uh, she um, uh, she was she recently came out and she's like, "Hey guys, like I, I want to show you my boy clothes," and we're like. Fuck yeah, let's see them. So she dressed up like a boy, and it was really cool. And I still see this girl. She moved to Winnipeg. She's really cool. I, I still see her um, all the time. And um, we learned how to uh, – what is it? Like, you know that thing they do with the chew? They smack it. Uh, like, the you know that finger thing that people do? Oh, packing the tin. Yeah, yeah, packing the tin. She taught us how to do that. And, like, um, yeah, anyway. So we ended up staying there, and then when we got to Calgary – um, my aunt called me and she's like, Hey, you never ended up coming. And I was like, Oh shit. I totally forgot. It's like, Oh yeah, we, we ended up staying at this other place. And then she's like, Chris, she, you should be careful. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, um, it's like, are you into drugs and drinking? And I'm like, I'm not going to say I'm into drugs, but I'm like, yeah, I've been drinking. Um, and she's like, you, you're, you, it's like, I don't know if your grandfather told you, but you're allergic to alcohol. <laughs> and I'm like, Wow, that makes so much sense. The whole time here, I'm thinking I'm a lightweight um, because I'm getting drunk so fast, but like faster than normal. So like one shot of anything, and I'd be like pretty drunk. Like I'd be drunk. So I'm like, holy crap! And my aunt is a nurse, so I guess she knew somehow. I don't know how that plays a role, but she was just worried about my health, and I'm just like, holy crap! Like, and then it kind of like spun me back to when I was living, uh, not with my grandfather, but I was like around that time and I was, you know, older and my grandfather's just like, have you drank before? And I'm just like smile under like my, my, my normal face. I'm just like, no, no, I've never drank before. <laughs> and uh, he's just like, you should probably drink for your first time at home. And I'm like, what, why would I do that? That's no fun. I can't get drunk and be with my friends if I do that. And he's like, no, I, I don't want you getting drunk away from home. I want you to get drunk at home first. And, like, it didn't really click until my aunt told me this, that uh, that I was allergic to alcohol. And that's what he was trying to tell me was he wanted to see what the, the effects would be of me drinking alcohol. Um. How how did they know that you were allergic though? I guess they had. I guess I had an allergy test, or I I when I was a kid I had a bunch of tests because I was very sick, right? So I guess maybe they did an allergy test just in case, uh, probably for penicillin, I'm assuming. Um, and they just did a bunch of other allergy tests at the same time, and they found out that I was allergic to. Um, there's, um, there's two that apparently I I have. There's the one that's in like beer, which must be like the I don't know the something alcohol, and then there's one in the in hard alcohol um, that I also have. <laughs> so I don't know. What, what do you mean you were very sick? Like you were sick at a time, or like there was a like you were sick for a bit, or you actually were like sick, sick when you were a kid? No, like when I was a child, when I was um when I was born in the hospital and stuff like that, and then later, like oh, I so like. Yeah, when I was in the hospital as a kid, I was really sick, almost died. But later on in life, I was also pretty sick because I just remember being in the hospital a lot growing up. Um, 
for long periods of time. Like after you're a baby, you're like you as a kid, you'd go to the hospital a lot. Yeah, I, I don't really remember. That's the the thing is like I remember being in the hospital, and I remember my grandfather bringing me um, uh, hospital food, but and he's like, "This is really bad," and I'm like, "Dude, this is amazing." Uh, no, I, that's all I really remember was me being in the hospital for for long periods of time as a kid. Um, and I, maybe that's when they did the test, or maybe my grandparents just gave me an allergy test when I was a kid. That I don't really know. I just know that my aunt knew, my grandfather must have known, but he didn't straight up tell me. Um, he just kind of like let me, you know, just find out for myself. And like all my friends thought I was just the biggest lightweight because like I had a bo- bottle of Southern Comfort and that would get me like a Mickey of Southern Comfort for, uh, and it, that would get me pretty good. Like that would last a long time. But then I went on to, I, I, I drink like hard alcohol straight. So then I bought like ponies. I only bought like a pony of like, I don't know, like rum or something. And that's all I needed to like almost get sick. If I drank a pony, if I drank a full pony, I almost got pretty sick. Like spinning and puking drunk. So I was just like really like everybody thought that I was like just a super lightweight. But I guess it's because I was allergic to alcohol that this happened what's a pony it's smaller than a mickey (laughs) it's like it's it's bigger than those like airplane bottles of alcohol but not as big as a mickey i know uh, people don't think that this exists but when i found it i was like (laughs) like i need i I need this because it's cheaper and i'm not gonna die because what would happen is if i got a, a mickey and i drink it i couldn't drink the whole thing my friends would just drink the rest of it. So it's like, I didn't have anything for later. But if I bought a pony, it's like, I could drink all that and there wouldn't be anything left over. So you're, you're aware, I guess your aunt has let you know that, um, you probably shouldn't drink and you've got hints, but you're still going for it. Yeah. And the thing is that I've drank so much, um, since I was in Gimli that, um, I thought I was just a lightweight. Nothing really horrible happened to me. Like I would just get spinny and throw up. Oh, that is a complete lie. That is a complete lie. Um, the first time that I got too drunk and I was going and I was throwing up was at Icelandic Fest. Um, it's like this festival in Gimli. There's like rides and there's like bands play by the pier, um, by the docks or whatever it's called. And, uh, I drank way too much and I had this bucket of like popcorn. And that was the first time that I had thrown up like ever, I think. And it was like, I had this bucket in front of me and I puked in it and it was just blood. Like the bucket was just full of blood. It looked like somebody had just came up to me with a bat and just smashed me in the teeth. It was like the most disgusting thing I think I've ever seen. My girlfriend, she like almost fainted because she was like walking me back to this trailer. And like, I don't know much about puking and all that kind of stuff, but that doesn't sound good to me. <laughs> no. So it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Like, um, I guess like at some point I learned my limit, like 
before that and i like i guess i was just having too much fun and i drank a little bit too much and i started spinning and projectile vomiting into this bucket and it was just blood but i guess um what happens i kind of like was looking it up and like certain allergies what happens is when i drink the alcohol what it does is it rips holes in my stomach and then this is graphic for everybody i'm sorry that this is going to be so graphic but it like rips holes in my stomach and then i guess the alcohol the reason why i guess i get drunk so fast is because the alcohol seeps into like those the holes in my stomach and then i get drunk really fast because it's going straight into my bloodstream so i'm guessing that when those holes happen there's blood that also comes from those holes and then if i throw up it's just a lot of blood um sounds pretty terrible um but i i mean i i still drink and stuff and i'm not dead so i just keep doing it probably shouldn't but you know <laughs> i still do <laughs> Something else happens, but I, I won't go there. That's a little, a little different. <laughs> that your aunt also was uh, was aware of, like, kind of what your mom was involved in. Like, do you think, and in, in your grandpa and everyone, is that why they were pushing you away from drinking and just being exposed to things that were intoxicating? I feel like my aunt was the only one that ever tried to not um get me to like like to acknowledge that my mom had a problem and i possibly like being scared that i possibly would have the same problem my grandfather my sex talk everybody has their sex talk my sex talk was i was i can't remember what grade it was but i was being he drove me to my uh, current girlfriends at the time i was young um and he like, the sex talk was like like grade seven or like your, nine? your version of young is yes like nine years old not, not nine years old but like grade oh. nine okay, so, okay or maybe enough. it was no, no no let me think grade yeah grade nine grade nine appropriate grade, grade nine and uh so he was driving me there and <laughs> it's quiet and he's just like chris i'm like what i'm like yeah <laughs> he's like um don't bring home a baby I was like, okay, I won't. That's it. That was like my sex talk. Um, and that was that. Like the the alcohol talk again. It was very short, like that too. It was like in passing. He was like sitting at the table, like it's like, hey, you should probably drink at home. And then we had like maybe like two more sentences each, and then that was it. Passing. My aunt, my sister, um, sorry, my mom's sister was the only one to actually show some actual concern that I may have, like, I may, like, you know, follow my mom's footsteps by having a drug problem or something like that. This is when she called me when I was in Calgary. When you were on tour, you were in Calgary? Yeah, when I was in Calgary. Uh, when I didn't show up at her place to stay and we went out next stop was Calgary and that's when she called me I guess I'd turned my phone back on or something like that um, and that's she called me asking where I was crazy well she knew man she was looking out for you yeah it was it was it, 
I, I remember it was a really weird feeling because no one in my family has talked to me like that before. No one has shown like that kind of concern. So like, I remember like walking outside of this guy's apartment that we were staying at and I was just like walking through Calgary, like through the streets of Calgary as she was talking to me about it. And it's just, I've never had this like concerned type of discussion before. And I was just like, this is different. So yeah, that's where we just like, okay, well uh, eventually we'll see each other again. And, um, that's that. And then we, I carried on with my ways of, oh, we played a show in Calgary and did the same thing we always do is play a show and then just party and play the next show. Um, I do remember, like, I can't remember where we were at the time, but this was one of the craziest things that, uh, I think I've had to deal with in a while is like, um, Liam, <clears throat> he wasn't of age. He was like, 17 years old or something like that so like when we played in a bar he was just like you know he was allowed to play but he had to like either leave right away or like he couldn't drink so i can't remember what it was maybe it was the calgary show um but it was crazy because we like played this sketchy sketchy bar like it was in this basement like people that were like on some kind of drugs and the owner of the bar um was like super stoked that we were there to play this show we were the only band to play and so we played and uh we're all sitting around and normally what happens is that the the promoter or whoever's playing putting on the show will come up to you and be like oh yeah here's your like your share of the the money or whatever and that that's that and we're waiting at the bar we're just sitting around because we're actually going to leave we're just going to play our show and play our set and just like get out and just like go somewhere to sleep and we're just waiting and eventually our, our vocalist he went up to the guy and he's like hey i'm like um we're just like waiting for our payment and we'll leave uh this guy's like oh uh well i wasn't gonna pay you guys <laughs> I'm just like, we're just like what he's like no we we have emails saying that you will you were gonna pay us this much to play this show and he's like oh man it's like well maybe we can come to an agreement maybe i'll just give you this cocaine and like we'll just call it even it's like my brother's asleep already and he's the one that counts all the money and we're just like my the vocalist is just like pissed he's just like nah dude like we don't want drugs he's like he's like we just want our money and we want to leave. And normally I, I felt like we were just going to take the hit. Like we were just going to be like, Oh yeah, fine. Whatever. This guy's like a piece, piece of shit. He's not going to pay us. And we're just going to leave. No, man, we waited until that bar just like emptied. It was like four or five in the morning. Like we were just waiting for everyone to leave. And like the lights were on and like his brother was in the bed and we're just like, I guess their like house thing was like, in the bar and we're just like waiting for this to uh, for him to go talk to his brother and he comes out and his brother's like he my brother's asleep and then our vocalist he just like goes to the door and he kicks a hole in the door and i was like what the f dude like what and it's like it's late i'm cranky it's like or he said i'm pissed or something like that he's like i want my money and i want to go so this guy comes up and he is just like i guess he's the, he wasn't sleeping he was doing coke the whole time so he's just like coked out out of his mind and he's just like freaking out and like there's this huge fight and this is a really weird i'm like in a strange city i just played a show and there's like really weird dudes that are coked out yelling at my band and we're just all like weirded out and and, and uh liam's been sitting in the van the whole time i threw out this whole thing i went back and forth and um something interesting happened um in the van 
that I'll, I'll discuss after this, but, like, he just, like, freaked out, and then, I don't know, a bunch of stuff happened, and eventually he just gave us money. He gave us, like, 60 bucks, and, like, that was it, and we were on our way. I was just like, that, I can't believe that just happened. That was just the weirdest show ever. Um, but, like, so Liam was in the van because he was sketched out about being underage at a bar and he didn't want like the cops to show and like whatever so like this whole as this whole thing's going on i'm just like i feel bad for the guy because i mean we're all in here drinking whatever and he's out in the in the van so i go to the van and he's listening to a, a band called under oath on like i guess his ipad or no <laughs> ipads didn't exist back then ipod and uh and he's, I'm just like, oh yeah, man. It's like, here, listen to one of our songs. So, this is where Liam's kind of downward spiral to D-bag begins. He just like, I don't know. He just like realized that a bunch of shit was wrong. What's up? I'm gonna drop some bro history on you. Bro history, okay. When I was in university, I took a class called the History of Western Dress. Okay. And it was pretty cool. Like we studied the fashion of like old freaking kings and like what they'd wear in the Renaissance days and all that and. you kind of look at how fashions evolve. So I started looking into the history of suits. And I was like, man, I wonder where suits came from. Even though I guarantee we studied it in school and I probably forgot. I just remembered like Renaissance wear was super cool. But when I started looking into the history of suits, what I didn't remember is that like sleeves on collared shirts and jackets and stuff like they didn't always have buttons on them like on the ends of the sleeves yeah like they just used to be these like puffy sleeves like think of shakespeare yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) they're just these like puffy rounded sleeves and so i was like oh buttons on sleeves let's look into that a little bit more so i started researching that and doing some bro history searching on wikipedia of course but uh yeah man buttons were put onto sleeves from what i found they're put onto sleeves of dress coats uh so that when people were in war the surgeons could like unbutton their sleeves and roll them up and just like get in there and do surgery when somebody was wounded so they're actually called like surgeon sleeves or something like that or like the buttons on sleeves are called like surgeon cuffs surgeon cuffs I think that's what it's called that's cool so like that's cool so does that just go for uh, suits or just like all the buttons that we see on shirts and stuff like that too I don't know I think it's probably evolution but yeah. it's pretty pretty cool that something that's now like fashionable like having buttons on on the sleeves of coats is like a fashionable thing but it was started as something that was done strictly for function that's super cool so moral of the story is 
if you're going to war and you need to do surgery, where should you go? <laughs> oh man, don't make me do it. Probably go down to fapparel.com, ephapparel.com, enter promo code. What's Don't the make promo? me do it. Don't make me do, do it. it. <laughs> nah. Enter promo code character. Get 20% off your surgeon sleeves. They'll hook you up. They'll put as many buttons on those sleeves as you want. Roll up those sleeves. Do your surgery oh. in war. Oh, bad. <laughs> Chris Good old Friedman. surgeon sleeves. You were also watching Samurai Guitarist. You told me about it. I was. Um, man, I watched that Modes one. I also watched the uh, the new one today. The uh, I don't know if it was today, but um, the profession, how to be a professional musician or whatever. Um, and that one was awesome. It like it queued up a lot of my old um, like old feelings of playing in a band and like trying to be professional and stuff like that. All of his points are so just perfect so if you love samurai guitarist if you haven't watched them go check them out youtube subscribe show them some love samurai guitarist always helps us out with production assistance so chris friesen loves samurai guitarists and his modes and all those videos he puts out each week and as do i man i love his eyebrows that's a good thing to love chris friesen he's got good Intro music by Delicate Beats. Theme music by me and Molly Music. Song is called Disappear. Go check them out on iTunes. And uh, if you like what you're hearing, we love reviews. If you don't like it, we still love for you to let us know. So give us a zero star. Give us a three star. Give us a one star. Give us a five star. If you have the time, if you can take 15 seconds and give us a review on iTunes we seriously appreciate it so much um, this thing is growing and it's growing immensely strictly because everybody's taking the time to just share it with one extra person so um, I can't thank you enough for it keep tuning in, keep subscribing Chris Friesen's going to drop some stories and some knowledge about Gimli and touring and we're going to try and find James Friesen and we're going to find out more from his grandma. Is that it, Chris Friesen? That's it. Peace. <laughs>